Are you ready to be fed, uh, be touched, and moved by the Holy Spirit? Yes? Yes, 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 we are. Yes. All right. So I would like you to be receptive to whatever the Lord is going to speak to you. I pray that you will hear the voice of God directly spoken to you. We are in the third series of Live Like Jesus, right? Um, And uh, it has been very, very encouraging and moving uh, to see that God is moving through this series. I get to hear from you how the Spirit of the Lord is challenging you and also me. So I am very excited to talk about today in the third series, Learn, Be Acceptive, right? Be Accepting. And we're going to talk about this from the scripture in Matthew chapter 15. And also there is a section in Mark 7, but I'm going to use Matthew uh, today. I may go back and forth uh, to Mark's account and Matthew's account, but here... In, let me just read the, the end of the mark. It's Matthew fifteen twenty one to 28. I want to read 28 for you. And the word of God says here, Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Right? So let's unpack this. Let's unpack this story, right? Are you excited? What may be in there? Yeah, and for all of us, I am, right? Um, why do I have to learn this, right? Why do I have to learn this? That's the comment that you have heard from your kids, if you have kids, or people, if you're teaching. They, I've heard this from my three kids. Why do I have to learn this? Why? Right? At certain point of time, if you're a teacher, a parent, or grandparent teaching somebody, they, they will ask you this question. They will throw back this question at you. I don't want to learn this. Why do I have to learn this? Right. Okay? The first thing that I learned when I went, when I went to school, uh, when I started my school, was how to read and write English. That's what I learned in school. Okay? Um, and learning the language, English, has opened so many doors for me in my life. The adventure that has come to my life because of learning English is amazing to me. I have gone to many countries because of learning English. I have gone to many homes because of uh, this language, English. And I have been able to minister to Hundreds and thousands of people across the world because of this language. And I have seen the Lord used me, me, this humble lowly servant, using English to impact and change people's life. And thousands of them, thousands of them. You know. And so, why do I have to learn this? See, it's not just English. When I went to university to do my uh, uh, graduate program. I, I learned Hindi too. I learned how to speak Hindi. And because of learning how to speak Hindi, you can see the fruit of the benefit of that language this morning through baptism and talking to people, right? Yes. So why is learning very, why, why is learning important? See, 
In this chapter, I want to talk about learning. Because you have heard in the first series, recap, in order to live like Jesus, you have to what? Live. You have to live. You have to activate your life. And how do you activate your life? You activate your life by allowing Christ to come into you. And you live your life through Him. That's how you activate. Right? And the second thing is, okay, you live like Jesus by living through Him and with Him. And the second thing that uh, uh, I, I mentioned was to look. After you have lived, you're alive, then you look. You look at your surrounding. You look at the people. Right? You look at who is your neighbor. You look at the people that are in your spatial influence. And I say, be attractive. So you are attracting people to you because of your lifestyle. And you are attracting to whom? To God. Because the life that you live is so attractive. They want to find out who lives within you. And you are attracting them back to God. That was the second one, right? Are you remembering now? We are recapping. And today is to learn. Right? So you live, you look, and you learn. So you will be attractive. You will be acceptive. You will be accepting today. Not just look around. Once you look and notice the people that are around you, the next step that you need to do is to accept them. And this, I want to speak through following the Lord Jesus Christ. As he go to Tyre and Sidon. And I will overlay it. I will layer it with how we saw this Indian man being transformed today in the sermon. And we will see how Jesus modeled how to have relationship. And then how we are doing it here in 21st century. That's what we are going to do. And then you put yourself in your area, special influence, and see how you can impact other people's lives. So there wouldn't be one formula, but I'm giving you one of the formula that can actually work in your life, because what is your goal? What is the goal of our life? What is the goal of this series? The goal of this series is, you will have four-dimensional growth. Okay? To live like Jesus, you will have four-dimensional growth. What is this four-dimensional growth? It is the model of the balanced growth that Jesus had. He grew in stature. He grew in wisdom. He found favor with God and with man. So it is cognitive and emotional intelligence, right? It is the physical well-being. It is finding favor with God, spiritual well-being. Finding favor with people, social. See? So cognitive intelligence. Cognitive and emotional intelligence, physical well-being, social well-being, and spiritual well-being. This is the model of growth. The model of growth of Jesus Christ. So to live like Jesus is to have this four-dimensional growth. Right? And then, the second thing is that because you had this four-dimensional growth, you will have four-dimensional growth response from other people. It means you're impacting. You're having a four-dimensional impact on other people. That is the purpose of the series. Are we clear with that? We're clear with that, right? So we're not just beating around the bush. There is a reason, there's a direction where we want to go with this series. So, now coming back to the sermon... Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. 
So setting. Let me set it up here. The ministry of Jesus was growing. A lot of people were baptized. The Pharisees and Sadducees were following him and they were not happy. At this point, they were very angry with him already. There's a lot of opposition. And they go th- they, they're coming through the disciples. Here, they're coming. Why didn't your disciples wash their hands when they, when, before they eat? Because what they do is that they have to have this ritual cleansing, ritual cleaning. You have to wash the cups. You have to wash the pitchers. You have to wash the silver utensils. You have to wash even the couches that you sit, right? This is tradition. And they're saying, your disciples are not washing the hand, right? Big problem. Why? It's not that they want to needle the disciple. It's because they were upset with the Lord Jesus Christ. They were upset with His popularity. He has been healing people, transforming, and changing people's life. Go back. They have just beheaded John the Baptist already. Okay? They have just beheaded John the Baptist already. There is a movement against Christ and His, and, and his followers. It wasn't easy for Him in Jerusalem. So what did He do? Now, when these things were happening, when this great turmoil and opposition to His ministry was happening, He is going back. He is going up north. Where is He going? He is going up north to Sidon and Tyre. Okay? It's a long journey up north. Uh, why is this important? Because this is the Phoenician, this is the Canaanite area, my friends. This is the Canaanite area. Yeah, what? Yeah, they are Gentiles. They are not Jews. And it will come to you from Isaiah 53, when you read, especially verse 5, no, verse 6 is the one. All, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. All of us have gone astray. The prophet Isaiah resounded that word. And, and you go back to Matthew chapter 10. When you read in Matthew chapter 10, what did he say? I send you out to the house of Israel. See? Christ is sending to the house of Israel. But Isaiah is resounding. But we all have gone astray. And I come to my own and my own have not received me. The disciples were not received by the house of Israel. And Isaiah talked about this. And Jesus came to his own and they did not receive him. Because in Galilee, he was not even able to perform miraculous great mega stuff because of their unbelief. And he was astonished at the unbelief of the people in Galilee, his hometown. This is the background. This is the setting must have been very difficult for our Lord Jesus Christ. That He would weep for Galilee. That He would weep for Jerusalem. But He would weep for us. So He went to Tyre and Sidon. And this is very important. Because this is not by accident. Do you, do you think that Jesus went to Canaanite area by accident? No. It wasn't an accident. He went there well planned now because he wants to welcome a non-Jew. He wants to welcome a Gentile into the kingdom of God. And he is going to the Canaanite area. Just as he did with the Samaritan woman. Right? Now he's going to the Canaanite area. Oh, powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. You put on your seal belt, okay? Because we're going to have a lift off soon. Right? Yeah. 
Don't just go on cruising here, okay? There will be some turbulence. It's not going to be a very comfortable sermon, I'm telling you. Okay? There will be turbulence. You got to hold on to your seat. You may need an oxygen, you know, later on. Okay? I'm just letting you know. He is expanding his mission. Why? Because he is receptive of the culture and race. He is receptive of the culture and race. And I will explain this to you. Why he was receptive of the culture and race. And when, why Canaanite was important in sharing the gospel and expanding his ministry. Because Canaanites were what? They were cursed. These are the people that were cursed. God had given instruction to Israelites to destroy them. Did you know that? To destroy them because they were wicked and idolatrous. One Sunday morning last summer, as I was standing there, a guy came in with a bike Sunday morning and came in here. And uh, I happened to meet him, and he was from India, and he can't speak English. So I haven't spoken Hindi in a while here, and suddenly I have to activate my Hindi, right? Because he was there, and I talked to him, and said, oh, where are you from? I'm from India. I'm new here. So why are you here? Oh, when I was in India, the, the pastor, the, they call it the father, the father told me to go and look for a, a, a church. So he just drove, he just rode around in his bike, and he happened to come to our church. That's how he ended up here. And I had a brief conversation with him. I wasn't sure what to do with him. Why was he here? What is he here for? I had those things in my mind. You know, I didn't tell him that. But I said, okay. Uh, and uh, I have more friends. And I will bring them next Sunday. So I'm thinking, okay, we'll see whether he shows up or not next Sunday. So I said, okay. Come next Sunday, bring them here. And he can't be at the worship service because he has to go and work. And he has to take bus. Uh, and it takes him about two hours to get because he has to change buses and change buses so he can be at the worship. So he left around 10, 10 15 or somewhere. Right? Um, and I didn't think much about it. Okay, but here is a guy who can't speak English. And I'm, I'm the only one who can communicate in our church. And he's showing up and he's going to bring two more people. We've been saying at our church that we are a house of prayer for all nations and of all nations. And it seemed to me that God is testing me whether I believe what I say. And am I going to live by it or not? Right? Am I going to expand my mission? Am I going to extend my mission? When I say am I means our church. Not just Pastor Valui. Is Santa Clara going to extend and expand the mission of God? What are we going to do about it? See, he went to Canaanite area not to condemn, but to redeem them. See? So, let me talk about here. First, one word is diversity. Okay. Now, diversity used to be a big buzzword. When I first came to America in 2000, 
Right? I came to Chicago, so there was diversity. But I served in the, the midland, the heartland of United States, and diversity was a challenge. Right? So diversity became a big buzzword uh, in the church. And the church that were diverse were like, oh, we have arrived, we are diverse. Let me tell you this morning, diversity in itself is not a great accomplishment. Okay? Diversity in itself is not a great accomplishment. Diversity is a given in the culture that we live in. Even if you don't do anything, there is diversity. So don't take a great pride that we are a diverse church. Right? But what is an accomplishment? Relationship. When you build relationship, that is an accomplishment. That is an accomplishment, my friends. So we are a diverse church. We have 40 nations here, about 40 nations in this church. We are a diverse multinational church. That in itself is not an accomplishment. It's supposed to be that way. What do we do about it then? We engage and build relationship with one another. With one another, my friends. Look here, my friends. Here, this is the, this is the life group that my wife leads. On Wednesday. And as we were discussing, I look around and I say, oh wow. In that life group, there were about maybe 12, 13, 14 people there. Uh, English was spoken, Mandarin was spoken, Vietnamese was spoken, Hindi was spoken, Telugu was spoken, and Portuguese was spoken, and Tankul was spoken, right? There were like six, seven, eight languages there in that group already. Diversity is already there. What is going to be the accomplishment? The accomplishment will be if this eight different language group are able to get together, gel together, and share live and engage with one another, then that will be an accomplishment. Right? That is the reason why Jesus went to Tyre and Sidon. He is expanding kingdom culture. It's not just going to be for the Jew. It's going to be for everybody. Tolerance. So we are at diversity. Let me take you to tolerance. So when diversity is there, uh, you notice that, okay, we're diverse people and you don't do anything. They just exit, exist in different, I want to use the word colony, Okay. You just have little colony here, different colonies of different people. That's diversity. It, there is no symbiosis. There is no living together. It's not a living organism. Just as Christ supposed the church of Christ to be. That one body means it's a living organism. That's not happening when there is diversity and you don't do anything about it. You just notice that there is diversity, right? The next thing is tolerance. So when that happens, when there is no engagement, when there is uh, no relationship, when you don't build friendship, what happens? What exists after that is you tolerate their presence. You tolerate their presence. Tolerance is not a good word in a church, I'm telling you. Okay, just as diversity is. Because we take pride in diversity and we say, we have arrived, we have made it. And then you tolerate their presence and you think, oh, I tolerate them, it's a good thing. No, tolerance, tolerance is the enemy of one body of Christ. You just tolerate their presence. 
What is the next step of tolerance then? What should happen? Right? You come to the table together. You eat together. You share life. You share the pain of other people and find out that life is actually really hard. Then you look at them and you realize that they they speak Telugu. They speak Tagalog. They speak Spanish. They speak Portuguese. And then you try to understand their food and learn their language. And you find out that they're actually real people that breathe and they have blood. Right? And it's okay to eat different kinds of food. And then you learn and you appreciate. Then you don't tolerate anymore. In fact, you celebrate. Right? So you move from... You move from diversity to togetherness and you move from tolerance to celebration. Are you with me, church? It's very important. This series is very important for our church. Right? So diversity, tolerance. Uh, What is the next word? Commitment. Christ committed His life to go to the Canaanite area. In fact, he gave his life. He sacrificed his life so we can celebrate together, we can be one together. And celebration of other people, togetherness, engagement of other people cannot happen by accident. It takes commitment. You got to commit it, my friends. You got to commit to travel to Dyer and Sidon. It's not just going to happen just like that. Commit. And when you do those things, then you'll start inviting people to your home. You'll be eating food together with them in your table. And there is conversation. And dialogue, and they will tell you, Pray for me. They will tell you, I'm going through this. And the tears that you share together, the laughter that you enjoy together, the bond that you have because of Jesus Christ that's the picture of heaven. That's the picture of heaven. Consider the culture of the people to learn about them. You consider the culture of the people. Right? You must consider the culture of the people if you're going to learn about them. Okay. Next. A woman came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Right? So, how do you consider the culture? You consider by actually reading about them. That's what I would suggest you to do it. If you meet people from different culture, get a book. Go to the internet. Go to the library. 
whatever is convenient for you, and read something about that. That will actually help. That will inform you to have intelligent discussion. And you will be able to articulate whatever you want to say. So you grow in wisdom. That's the first part of the four-dimensional growth. Grow in wisdom, in knowledge. And how do we do that? By reading. Just as I learned how to speak and write English the first time I went to school. Why do I have to learn this? Because I want to consider their culture. Yes. 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 Right? Yes. Awesome. So have mercy on me. Now this is amazing. This is amazing. Jesus was not only receptive of the culture of the Canaanite area. But Jesus was perceptive of the cultures and race. How was he perceptive here? So this woman came to the Lord Jesus Christ and said. Look at the word. My Lord. Son of David. Oh, this is so explosive and controversial. Do you know that? Why? Because this is a Canaanite woman who is willing to give loyalty to a Jewish king. See? Did you see that? He said, I'm going to change my loyalty to a Jewish king. I will follow you. You will be my Lord. I will abandon the Canaanite, the Phoenician king, and my loyalty to it. Big Big sacrifice on her part too. She's willing. She's also willing to learn about Christ. About the Jewish culture. It's both ways. We can just as an ethnic minority you can just wait for the Dominant culture to come to you always. You also have to go. If there has to be a relationship. You have to learn English. Like I did. You have to learn Spanish. To speak to Spanish people. You have to learn Mandarin. To speak to Chinese. You have to learn Hindi. To speak to Hindi people. We can't do it all. But we have to learn each other's culture. Right? Then there can be some give and take. Oh, there was a turbulent there. Right there, right? Fasten your shield belt, right? What did pastor say again? Right? I am saying what the Lord did. This is not my idea. This is what the Lord did to have one body. So we can bridge the gap. We can bridge the gap. Learn the worldview of other people to respond to their concerns with solution. You got to learn their worldviews. Jesus included non-Jewish people in his mission. Canaanites, he met the Canaanite woman to set the precedent for how his disciple would go out into the world. I want to talk about this here. Church. Church. Ecclesia. In Greek means call out. Call out. But what do we do? We are more comfortable calling in. We call in here. The success of our church, my success as a pastor of this church is dependent on how many people I call in here. Do you notice that? But I am called 
to call out, to call you out from here. I am more interested in calling you out from here to live like Jesus than you calling you in here and then you, oh, the worship was great. The music was fabulous. The sermon was so-so, it's okay, I can bear it, right? And the people were great. And so, you know, two out of three ain't bad, I'll come back. So you just tolerate all these years to come here. You know, we'll just wait out. You know, pastor doesn't stay long. They come and go. So, you know. But God is calling us out. And this is what Jesus did. It was not by accident. He took the disciples and set a precedent. Set a precedent. It is coming set a president to call them out into the world. See? You get that point? This is it. This is it. That Jesus called them out to be the church. He called them out of Jerusalem from their own people into the Canaanite area. And he say, you go into the world, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them everything I have taught you. And he started it here. And how can we go out? We can go out when we learn. You can go out when you learn. When you learn to be compassionate. When you learn to celebrate. When you learn to engage. Then you can go out. But you can't go out if you are stuck at tolerance. If you are stuck at diversity. And you are celebrating. Oh yeah. I can tolerate the presence of people here and not learning anything about the other people group, then you still can't go out. So I went out. And I met Matt Stephen, the most handsome guy in this church. I mean, just sitting there, I mean, I, I, I wish I was a girl. It's just that my wife has captivated my heart, Pastor Margaret. I have no more heart for anybody, right? That's it, just her. He's a board member. I went to visit at his workplace uh, to ask money. As pastors do, they go around asking money. No, I went just to pray with him. He bought me lunch and we chatted there. And as we were talking and chatting, I said, hey, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for your team? See, one of the things that we do is this people that are in healthcare, right? Uh, Christians, including non Christians, but let's just talk to the church. We are not very kind to them, right? Because we feel like we're entitled the best service, and if they make little mistakes, they, we let them have it, right? We send them email, we give them a call. You know what? But they are people. These are people that have invested their entire being for the betterment, for your betterment. If there are a people group in this world that thinks about the quality of life for us, it's this people group that works in the healthcare uh, business or industry. 
Right? Yeah? Yes. So, uh, can anyone that is here that works in the healthcare industry, health services, can you please stand up wherever you are? Yeah. Give them a big hand. Yes. We want to thank you. We want to thank you. We appreciate you. Yes. Now, please be seated. Please be seated. This reminds me of the Word of God in Romans chapter 12. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable, right? For God's services. And they're actually using everything. They're using their hand, hands. They're using their feet. They're walking a lot. Sometimes they don't get to see it. They're thinking. They're using their eyes and smell and taste, whatever. They're using everything. For what? So that you can have a good quality of life. And they can live like Jesus wherever they are. Right? They can live like Jesus in the hospital. And sometimes they bite their tongue and not say things that they want to say because they are the one that is caregiving. On top of that, they are Christian. They are followers of Christ. Right? Praise the Lord. So, why am I saying this? Why am I saying this? Because we are called out. We are called out to live like Christ. See, when, when, he, when, the, when the Canaanite woman came and said, Master, O Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. How are we going to help with the world that is coming to us? Because life is very hard. Can you have this? Can you impact their lives so that they can have a four-dimensional growth response? Because you have grown full dimensionally. Jesus was very perceptive of all cultures and race. And he was not, you know, he said, you know, but I came for the house of Israel. That's what he said. And the disciple told him, Jesus, please do something. Let her go away. Let, right? Let her go away. It can be in two meanings. Do something. She's crying so much. Do something for her. And her, his response was, but I came for the house of Israel. Okay? What he's saying was, no, she's irritating. No, no, no. Not in that way. Jesus knew his mission. His mission, primary mission was to come to the Jew. Salvation comes from the Jew. He knew that he, his primary mission was to come to the Jew. His disciple will go to the world. He knows that. Right? But since his own did not receive him, what did he do? He expanded and extended the mission field. He adapted, my friends. That's what I'm saying. Silicon Valley. Maybe majority of the people were Caucasian and white. 35 years, 25 years ago. Things have changed. The world has come here. What do we do? We adapt and expand and extend. Just as Christ did. That's learning. So, you consider the condition of the people. Now, you consider the culture. Consider the so Greg, Greg came to me. Pastor, there's a guy that speaks Hindi. What shall I do? Right? That's how he pulled me to that guy. He was like one of... Because he knew I could speak Hindi. He connected me to him. That led to five salvation. One connection led to five salvation. Yes. And five baptism. And five baptism. Jesus was perceptive of the culture. Learned the worldview of others. And this is the last one. 
Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yes, even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Right? You consider the cost of the people. What she is saying is, Okay, I know you came for the Jew. But even these little dogs, they can eat the crumbs. So give me the crumb. Okay? She was not angry. She was not agitated. She was not uh, uh, hateful about Christ saying, I came for the Jew. No. But she knew she was persistent. Yeah, but I can get the blessing. Just give me the crumbs and that's good enough for me. And the crumbs was enough for her to transform her life. And that's what happened. Right? That's what happened. But my friends, look at this. One of the things that we have done is that we try to control God. And we try to control Christianity. See? How do we control God? Oh God, we'll call you when we need you. Okay? In this case, God, we need you. We're going to go to Mexico for a mission trip. We're going to go to Africa. We're going to go to India. So God, you come with us. Right? But now, when the Indians or the Spanish or... Uh, other people from Africa want to bring the God that they experience here and say, no, wait, wait, wait. We have our God. We can handle our own. We don't know how to handle the God that comes from there. We, so we control our Christianity. This is not how it works here. This is not how God works here. Where well, it worked in Canaanite area, just as it worked in Jerusalem. It is God who controls us. Not we that controls God. Not we that controls Christianity. So your experience of Christianity and God is here, limited here. Two hours of coming here on a Sunday morning, and that is your God. That is your Christianity. When you go out, get in your car, and you go, let God, you stay here. I have things to do. Okay, I'm going to go to technology world. I'm going to go to health world. I'm going to go to insurance world. You don't work there. You don't have that mind to work. You know, technology is too much for you, God. Okay? You're not that advanced. You're good here for hallelujah. Come here, come to the altar. We'll pray for you and boom, you show up. And we make God so small, so little that it doesn't work out there. We can't control God. We can't control Christianity. If your Christian God and your God that you worship is limited by the experience that you come here. You will be like the Pharisees and Sadducees telling. Why is your disciple not washing their hand when they're going to eat? They have rejected the commandment of God and kept their tradition and rituals. We can't do that. We can't make that happen. Jesus was redemptive of all cultures and race. Except people from different cultures and races as God's children. No one is the children of a lesser God. We all are created in the image of God.